0: program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited! Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Today we are going to talk about the role and the importance of the education system in combating child sex crimes. It's an interesting subject because I have been doing that here in Southern California for about eight years now. I was one of the first people that actually developed a protocol and went into schools and and began to train Not just teachers, but the entire staff, the uh, administration, the superintendents, the board of trustees, all of those people. And uh, in the beginning, it scared me to death, I'll tell you that. Now I've been doing it so darn long that, that I'm used to it. But it is an important subject, and it's really important right now because... One of the things that I came to really understand during this COVID-19 crisis is the value of those teachers and those uh, staff being educated and putting together a protocol within your school that helps combat that, especially with online learning. Now, this is very, very difficult, but I'm going to approach it as if someday we're going to go back to normal. And uh, so I want to talk about the importance of it, what to look for, how to train, who to train for what, and like that. This journey started for me back in 2012. When I first started combating human trafficking, I started in 2008 out of Cambodia, and then 2010— We uh, formed a task force out here in Riverside County. I'm in Riverside County, California. That's about 60 miles east of Los Angeles and about 90 miles north of San Diego. Our county is unique in that it is 7,200 miles wide. 7,200 miles wide. 51% of our population speaks another language, primarily Hispanic, although we are getting a significant uh, population of Asian people starting into our communities. And so all of these are factors in training. When I, when I began to train, I was originally looking at the idea that, uh, uh, that or when I began in, in the journey of human trafficking, let me say, uh, I was originally thinking we were only talking about foreign nationals meaning people who come from outside the U.S. and get violated on the inside of the U.S. And often that takes place in a school, for what it's worth, we now know. But in 2012, we had a case where uh, a gang group from L.A., uh, a Crips gang, as it turned out, took their gang girls, their 16-, 17-, 18-year-old girls, and enrolled them in local high schools. And that's the first case that I had like that. Initially, what happened, it took nine months for us to find her and figure this out. And uh, one of the things that I'm proud of with all of our years of training is that we've shortened that time frame a lot of times that it takes for us to figure out what's happening and be able to rescue a girl. But in this case, they placed uh, Kimberly Alberti, that is called a bottom girl, a B girl, actually it's called something else out on the street, but I don't like to use that kind of language. And this girl is a girl that started in the life of uh, commercial sex by a prostitution. Uh, she reports to a pimp, and now they use her to recruit other girls. In many of our cases, in fact, in 60% of sex trafficking cases of minors, the girl is recruited by another girl and often in the high school. And in the, in this particular case, uh, it happened and we did not realize that it happened until we began to close the case and realize the protocol, what is actually going on. These, these bottom girls that are gang girls are placed into high schools. And, uh, and what they do is they friend other girls. They may get their nails done. That's one of the first signs to watch for. Suddenly you have, especially a poor kid that does not have the money to get acrylic nails, and they're suddenly getting their nails done uh, or you know, fancy nails done, and they're carrying on with it, and they're piling around with a new girl. Watch out. The other thing that will happen is that they will become friends very quickly, and then poof, that younger girl disappears. And that is what happened in this case. She was taken to L.A., 60 miles away, and she was sold into the gangs. That is horrendous trafficking. That is horrendous trauma. Uh, By the way, the young lady has recovered nicely. Uh, Many, many of them never do. But this young lady did, and her family is still uh, friends with me and kids, and I'm proudest punch of ever one of them. The victim, the family, and the fact that they took this on and survived it when, in fact, this girl's life changed forever. Think about what happened. A young lady suddenly disappears. She's a a great kid. She's a good-looking kid. She's a smart kid, and nobody knows where she's at. And what happens on that is suddenly, you know, the families drive into Las Vegas and they're driving to L.A. and they're driving to Tijuana. Where is this kid? And they're talking to school resource officers and they're talking to teachers and nobody knows what happens. So this is why I do it. When they found her, she was walking the streets of Long Beach Boulevard in forced prostitution. They actually located her and seven other victims. And for me, that's when the journey began of training in schools. And because what happened is at the time, Chief Sergio Diaz, the local police department chief, back in 2012, schools were not open to having somebody come in and go on about a melodramatic subject such as sex trafficking. Uh, And I'm very conscientious of that uh, cautiousness on their part. I really get it. Uh, Different schools respond differently. But Sergio went out to our school and said, you will have her come in and speak. And then he came to me and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was terrified. Um, The first thing that we did is develop a protocol. I believe I don't believe in pushing a rock uphill. Uh, You must have buy in at the top. I now I trained the Los Angeles Board of Trustees school. Uh, school board of trustees, amazing people who care deeply. They just need someone to give them the knowledge of what's how this works without a lot of melodrama. They need facts. They need statistics. They need behavioral indicators. They need medical indicators. They need to understand the problem and they need to give the trainer the time to do that. And L.A., uh, School board did that for me, the board of trustees. They gave me two hours in a private setting where I could lay it out for them in a systematic way so that they know how to develop a protocol. California has now laws that says that all school teachers have to be trained for 20, I think it's uh, two hours, I think it is, or one hour, I can't remember, every other year. Well, you need to, first of all, you need the right Teachers, uh, people to educate them because the last thing you need is a lot of melodrama. I uh, happen to be a post certified law enforcement trainer. It has to be fact based, it has to be case based, and it has to be appropriate for the audience. So I developed a protocol where we train all the board of supervisors, we train the school superintendent, we train the principals. And then we set up, and that's a more generic kind of thing. How often does it take place? What's it look like? What kind of uh, policies should you be putting in to take a look at it? Uh, do you handle uh, you know, uh, foreign national students differently than you handle uh, U.S. students? Yes, you do, because you're looking for different things. What about students that are unaccompanied minors? What do you do about special needs students? You know, autistic kids and uh, the slow learner kids. How do you deal with them? The workability. I I just trained all of workability. They're wonderful people. They sent me a great basket of popcorn. Thank you. Anyway, um, and so uh, you have to train them differently You know, what happens with autistic kids is they go online, special right now with online learning, they get how to operate the technology. What they don't get is what a pedophile is or what adult sex is or why that man that is paying them so much attention and they're giggling and laughing and entertaining them. And especially if they're very young, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids, what do we know about kids like that? They want to be liked. They want to be loved. They want attention. They want to be the center of attention. And then when it all goes bad for them, they don't want to get the man in trouble. So they won't tell. So they understand special needs kids oftentimes understand how to operate the technology, but they don't know why a pedophile wants their naked photo. They just think it's funny to take a picture of their peepee and send it off because he's giggling and laughing with them. And so how do you prepare uh, an education staff for that kind of thing? These subjects have to be talked about. What about those medical implications? That's why you train nurses. Uh, The fact that their behavior changes, their school attendance changes, all of a sudden they're withdrawn or they're suicidal or they're cutting. And so then how do you prepare the SROs and the counselors? Because this is a family problem. You cannot just prepare counselors for, for the kid. You know, you have a father or a mother who's just found out that their 11-year-old daughter inserted things in her body, and it's gone out to tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in the dark web in in a child pornography ring, and that father oftentimes can't deal with it. He, He looks at her like a broken woman or a damaged goods, or he blames the wife, and they get in a fight, and especially if there's already a divorce. The entire family needs help and assistance and guidance. So my name is Opal Singleton. My organization is called Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. If this is helpful to you, please go to millionkids.org and hit that donate button. We are up against a break, so I'm going to be right back.
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Hello and welcome back. We are talking about the importance of training in the education uh, industry, if you will. And uh, I want to share with you the protocol that I developed over time and why I never, you know, I'll get a teacher i will say, Will you come into my class. Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It depends on the situation. But normally not. What I do is recommend that all the upper-level executive staff get trained first so that they have the big picture. And it is important when you bring in a trainer, and I'm not saying it needs to be me, but when you look at trainers, make sure that they are an evidence-based a factual kind of trainer there is now a huge amount of misinformation on human trafficking out there, uh, when I first started, there were only a couple of people in Southern California doing it. Now I think there's 200 and some organizations doing it, and some of them are straightforward, and others of them are all about raising money and being melodramatic. When you start to train in a school, you need evidence based and you need it factual. So the first thing you do is train all of the executive staff. Then I create specialized training programs. For the support staff, the truancy officer, out here it's called the uh, child uh, attendance officer or welfare attendance officer or something. The school resource officers, very important. Campus security, very important. Counselors that are out there, nurses, uh, anyone that does special needs like the workability and all of those. And they're trained usually together, but I create specialized parts of each training so that they know what they're looking for. The other thing that I do at that point in setting up the protocol is make sure that you have a reporting mechanism within the school that reaches out to law enforcement. What we found when we first started doing this is that our schools in California, if you have a case of potential case of a sex crime or sexual abuse of some type, it is reported to the Department of Social Services or Department of Family and Child Welfare Services, whatever you call them, DCFS or DPSS, whatever. And, uh, but what was happening is that social services was not reporting it over to the human trafficking task force. They would say, well, the victim doesn't want to talk. Well, that doesn't get it because this is a crime. And so, what I did is I trained all 5,000 of my social workers, and they are part of our task force. We actually have what we call C sex specialists that's commercial sexual exploitation of children specialists. A C-Sex specialist in every division of DPSS and also on the task force so that if you because 60 percent of the cases of child sex trafficking in Southern California involve foster children. And so if we have a case involving someone that's part of the foster care system, that social service person goes out on the operations with our police officers, with our undercover officers, with our task force. So you need to be connected to your task force and make sure you have a reporting protocol so that the victim is handled If there is a victim, it's handled by social services, but law enforcement works with your school resource officer so that you have a legal element of it. Otherwise, you are simply going to be putting a small bandage on a large hemorrhage, and that isn't going to work. So when we talk to truancy and uh, these these people, we start to talk about behaviors. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But after I have trained all of the staff, then we start having teacher trainings. And they need to be at least 90 minutes, I prefer two hours. And, and in those cases, you have to make commitment to it so that you can see it, you can understand it. And many, many times once I've trained teachers, this is when the leads start to come in. Because they go, I knew there was something wrong. I didn't understand exactly what it was. After I've trained all the teachers, then I recommend that we have a parent symposium. Now, this works differently in different uh, communities, depending on the ethnic makeup of the community and the and also, kind of the economic end of the community, uh, we'll often have. In my case, I have a uh, what takes place over a three-hour period, usually from six to nine in the evening, with a break, cookie break in the middle, and it's for adults only. Now, I have done adults and teens, but I don't like to do it because teens don't like to hear about sexual abuse and the potential that that their parents are going to find out what they're doing on the internet. Uh, all in the same room. On top of it, kids get giggly, and they don't like to hear about sex in front of their parent. And so I believe that it's best to have parents have a parent symposium. But if they want to bring their children, then I say no one under the age of 13. Now, I know that kids know all about anal sex by the time they're nine these days because of the Internet. And you can do everything you can to protect them, But, you know, if you put your kid out on the Internet, they are going to hear the sex talk and it isn't going to be the one you're going to deliver. And so I think it's important that we limit it to not under 13 because I don't want our kids first sexual experience to be one of exploitation. And so that's why I do that. I've now trained over 400,000 people, and I haven't had, well, okay, I had one or two small complaints, but they weren't anything significant. And uh, I do that because we take precautions. Now, I'll often do two parent symposiums because you get a completely different audience. I do the big one at night, and then I'll often do one if I'm in a Hispanic community where it's being given out With a translator, because I'm a gringo and my Spanish is terrible, (laughs) anyway, um, when I do that, I uh, will often have it at 9 in the morning from 9 to 11. That way they have time to get the kid off to school and get home for lunch and like that. And you will find that a smaller number of people, oftentimes I'm only talking to 8, 10, 15 people in those groups, But I will do those, and I will give them priority every time. What you find out is that is a bunch of mothers who don't speak English that are terrified that their children are going to be violated. I'm making this up, but I bet I'm right, is I would guess that a lot of them owe money to a coyote somewhere along the line or has a family member, and they are afraid for their children being exploited to pay back that coyote. And it happens, okay? And so, when you, if you're in a mixed ethnicity uh, school, I'm going to recommend that you do two um, of the parent symposiums. Once the parents have been trained, then what I recommend is that you then start doing school training. I like to train uh, in assemblies by grade, I never will mix a ninth grade with a 12th grade. There is a huge disparity in your sexual maturity between ninth grade and 12th grade. And so I don't want to mix them. I'll often do a school assembly of all ninth graders. And in fact, once I've done a school, what I do is every year they bring me out to do only ninth graders because there's a whole new class. And that way we can keep them current. Will I train in a middle school? Yeah. But it's a lot different. I don't go deep into human trafficking. I do suggest it can happen. I do suggest how it happens. I do suggest that it often happens with another girl. But it usually takes place on dating sites and, and uh, video game chat rooms as they begin to seduce you. So I talk about the art of grooming and I give cases and I give cases where kids have come up and they've Almost been violated, but they reported, I have one case I'll tell you about next section, that literally the fact that these two 15-year-old girls came forward saved the lives of hundreds of other girls. Had I not been there that day, I know hundreds of more girls. In the end, 200 potential victims were there. 120 of them were sexually violated, and that is my case for what it's worth. And it all started because of social media and kids playing around. So I train kids in a way that's motivating. I challenge them to be leaders, but I also want them to know where naked photos go when you hit send. And that's why I have a documentary, a whole feature film coming out in March of next year, maybe February, that will be for parents with a 45 minute documentary for schools I want our kids to go know where naked photos go when they hit send. This is Opal Singleton and We're up against that break already. Stay with us. It'll be a little bit longer break. and We'll be right back, and then we'll get deep into what to look for.
2: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We're talking about the value and importance of training in the education system across the United States and then how we do it and what they're looking for. There are several kinds and several scenarios that you might be able to recognize as a teacher or or a counselor or principal, someone that you're dealing with, I'm going to kind of rattle them off and then I'm going to break them down for you. Uh, the most common is sextortion. That is blackmail with a photo. That is why we're making the documentary that we're making. Uh, the Center for Disease Control believes that 18,000 kids a day are sending a naked photo. They think nothing of it. I believe that number is quite low. Uh, quite frankly, that was before COVID. Now that kids are online uh, all the time, they, it's a regular kind of thing. Uh, and what they do is they send out a naked photo and they begin to get blackmailed. The blackmail may be as simple as give me more photos, more illicit photos, uh, photos of your little sister. Uh, This often takes place in video game chat rooms. It takes place with young kids that are out there playing on the Internet and they think they're talking to somebody who's completely different than it is. And it all seems harmless. 18,000 kids a day are sending that photo and literally um, 9,000 kids a day are being blackmailed according to the University of Florida. And 58% of those kids will go out and meet up with their pedophile trying to get that photo back rather than to tell mom and dad because they don't want to lose their, their uh, privileges, number one. And number two, think about this. Their first sexual encounter is a shame-based encounter. Sex is the only bodily function connected to the soul. And when you do it, it it shames you in ways that will change who you are for the rest of your life. For many of our kids, their first sexual experience will be a negative one as they begin to panic and they don't know what to do. 58% will go out and get violated before they'll tell their mom and dad. Sometimes if they're too young to drive, what'll happen is the guy will show up in the middle of the night and the kid will sneak out the door to meet up with them. Uh, We had a case like that right over here where she was a little bit older. She was like 17. She could drive. And, uh, you know, she, she got in a fantasy relationship. That's what the book seduced, The Grooming of America, teenager is all about and she got that fantasy relationship she sent off that and you know you see a lot of times it's not a completely nude photo with little kids they'll take pictures of their private parts because they think that's funny you know little kids like bathroom humor and they don't understand what a pedophile is and uh, in her case she took the photo and then they want you know okay you've taken your top off let's have a little bit more You know, and it gets downright disgusting before long there, you know, let's play with the dog and it gets crazy. Okay. I live in this world. I'm sorry if I offend you, but that is exactly how it works. And if you're going to train schools, you, you need to be able to understand it and repeat it. What happened in our young lady's case is that she blocked him after he started wanting a lot more photos. And the first photo that she sent suddenly came to her from someone she had never met. And, uh, And in that case, what happened is he said, Hey, I got this photo. What, what are you doing? And, and he, she said, I'm being blackmailed. And he said, I'll help you get it back. She drove up to meet him to get it back. And he raped her. And as of course you and I would already know, it was always the same guy. They, they're, you know, they're smarter than our kids if we don't educate our kids. The, the challenge that you have here with this is that kids are unable to understand how all this works if we don't educate them. And that is why I go in and I put on school assemblies. You should ask kids, you know, uh, who owns the internet? Uh, they'll tell you Bill Gates, Al Gore, or Google, or Al Gore. Uh, nobody owns the internet. If nobody owns the internet, then is it private? No, it's not private. They'll all tell you it's not private. So if that's the case, if we all agree it's not private, why would you send a naked photo on it? Have you ever thought about where naked photos go when you hit send? And the purpose of this is that we are putting our kids on the World Wide Web without explaining to them how it's made and where naked photos go. You know, it's kind of interesting to me. We, It's kind of like taking your eight-year-old or nine-year-old kid out here in the L.A. freeway and letting them play on the freeway without telling them that cars go up and down the freeway. And when they get run over, you blame Caltrans because you're unable and uninformed of how bad this is going to get. Okay, and so I, I think that it's absolutely critical for schools to educate the good and the bad. This generation will be the first generation that can reach the entire world. My producer and I was just talking about TikTok. TikTok is not a bad app, but you better understand how it's different than Instagram or Facebook or all the other things. TikTok is mass audience live streaming. So is Byte. So is Like, L-I-K-E-E, and soon to be Lasso. And what you do is you make a six, or excuse me, a fifteen second video, and it goes viral out there. And you know, the kids will tell dad and mom, you know, I'm I'm only talking to people I know. Well, you're not going to go viral if you're only talking to people you know this will be the generation that can reach the entire world and the entire world can reach our kids. And teachers need to understand the impact of that as well as parents. Because when you send that video out there, there first of all, there's something called TikTok Thought, T-H-O-T. It's very pornographic. And if you're sending that video out there, the way TikTok works is your profile is public if you're going to go viral photographs and videos have GPS on them. If you make that video in your bedroom, they can tell where you live. On top of that, it is the first time that you go out to millions of strangers. Think about what happens with TikTok. You post it because you want to go viral. It goes out in a category. All a pedophile has to do is join that category and see that provocative little dance or whatever it is they're doing. And then they can text right back to your child because TikTok is two-way communication. So they know who you are, they know where you live, and now they can talk to you. It is not a bad app if you are mature enough to understand that for every good person out there, there's at least 1% of them are pedophiles. I had a case out here where mom was saying, my daughter's doing really well on that. You know, she's got a million followers. And you say, well, how old is she? Well, she's 11. Okay, mom, let's talk about that. Your daughter now has a million people that are thinking she's hot. What if only 1% of them are pedophiles? That means 10,000 pedophiles can text back to your daughter and say, Hey, baby, you are talented. You are hot. Get me more of those videos. I'll meet you over on Instagram and I'll put together a deal. We'll make you famous. And kids are unable to visualize what pedophilia and how how bad this can get. They don't realize how this is all going to turn out. They get excited. They do not have adult cognitive thinking. As good as your child might be, they don't have adult thinking. So, what does this have to do with pa- with teachers? Well, so when the blackmail begins, the first thing they do is they start to miss school. They're afraid to go to school because they don't know where that photograph is. They will start to cut. They will start to shut down. Uh, they may start to run away. They may become suicidal. They may be hyper-aggressive. They most likely will become very secretive. You walk in a room, they shut it off. They uh, they hide it. You know, they're barring somebody else's. You ground them, you take it away, they're barring somebody else's. All of these apps can be tapped into by somebody else's device. Because of that, we have to train parents and and teachers how to have proper dialogue about the responsibility of communication. All of this technology has reached a page. You know, up till now, you've been able to use filters and tracking devices and all of that. But as this progresses, you will not be able to do all of that. And so we have to have dialogue with our kids That for every nice guy on there, there may be one that's not so nice. And why do they want your naked photo? And if your child is not old enough to have that conversation, then that child is probably not old enough to be responsible with a phone. This behavior may be hyper-aggressive or they may actually just shut down. It's interesting because, as I said before, 58% of kids who are being blackmailed will not tell. I uh, trained a group of teachers locally here, and uh, there were 80 of them. And I got a call back within about two hours after that event. The teacher told me, she said, I'm on my way home. We got an old pickup truck. I'm driving on. I got my 11-year-old son. He uh, plays a lot of video games. I'm going blah, 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 and what this woman said today. And all of a sudden, I looked over, and now that I was informed, she said, I realized that young man was behaving differently. And I never would have picked it up. And she said, I pulled over the side of the car and one of the things I teach teachers is how to ask. You do not go in and go, do you have a naked photo on the internet? You don't do that. You sit quietly when they're well-grounded. This is shame. This is shame-based behavior based on sex and they have everything at stake here. Their entire future is about to be ruined in their mind. She sat down and looked at him and said, Honey, is it possible you might have a naked photo on the internet? And he broke down and cried. He's eleven. He had been trying to fight this off since he was ten. His mother, our teacher, never. She said, "I never would have had a clue. I never would have even thought of asking him until I was educated." And now they can get the intervention they can need before the boy goes through puberty and get him back on track. It is absolutely critical that you have a protocol, that you make it fact based, and help the people who work with our kids every day understand the signs to see. Well, darn, we're up against that break again, so stay with us. We're going to close this out shortly.
0: Back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. So we're talking about what to look for. So sextortion, they're probably going to change their behavior dramatically. Uh, But when you get into victims of child pornography, the child may be very young, even as early as kindergarten. Uh, they discovered a database of child pornography videos, and actually there are thousands of them out there now. They just found one child pornography ring that had over a million users Uh, literally 39% of the victims in that child pornography ring were under the age of five, and 19% were under the age of two. So it's really important that uh, even kindergarten and first and second grade teachers be trained on what to look for and how child pornography rings work. So we will often do that. Now I want to quickly get to what to watch for for sex trafficking victims. Oftentimes what will happen, the most common age is 14 years old. I think they've gone through puberty, they're feeling very independent, and they're easily manipulated because they don't yet have adult uh, reasoning on there. And so most often what will happen is they'll get a new girlfriend who gives them some sort of – of uh, attention, whether it's a new set of nails, maybe it's uh, some jewelry, an iPad, that kind of thing, or they may start taking on provocative behavior, usually a little older girl, 17 years old, especially if she's new in school. I recommend that school counselors, if you have a new 16, 17, 18-year-old female student, that you assign someone to keep an eye on them to make sure that they themselves are not being violated, but that they're not immediately taking up with younger girls to influence them. Uh, That is called the bottom girl. Uh, Watch for changes in behavior if they're very sleepy. If they're being pushed into sex trafficking, they will often work these kids 20 hours a day. You will see kids living at home trying to keep the pimp boyfriend happy while at the same time they're trying to stay at home and stay in school. He may come in, uh, have a boyfriend come in a little bit older than her. She's 14, he's 20. Mom and dad don't like him. They're arguing with him. Mom and dad are, he's telling her she can have everything. She is unusually loyal to him, irrationally loyal. She may have bruise marks, bite marks. She may have damaged her knees, damaged to her feet. She may have cigarette burn marks on there. She may get a new tattoo, a tattoo of uh, a rose with uh, made out of dollar bills or something like that. Uh, She may be very hungry. Uh, Maybe they start to disappear and her her dress becomes provocative. She may become hyper aggressive. She may start on drugs or she may be withdrawn and being controlled. Uh, You may see her suddenly have a relationship where she does not make her own decisions All of those are indicators to watch for, and that is why we train. She may have more female infections than normal. Uh, She may be pregnant. They they get these girls pregnant for the sole purpose of uh, controlling them the rest of their life. Think of the power if your pimp is your baby's daddy. So those are all things that we teach educators to look for. And I believe that educators are the most important people to get a real, to be totally informed. Give us two hours. Let us give you everything you need so that you can understand these crimes and prepare. This is very important. I respect the work you do. In this day and age, I don't know how anybody can survive what you do. But you're on the front line, and if you're on the front line, I want you to know the facts and know what to do. My name is Opal Singleton, and my organization is called Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. I travel across the United States training law enforcement and doing com- community events, including uh, training the local school districts and uh, and uh, school officials and like that. I believe that this is absolutely critical. Now, I'm getting older, and I can't go completely across the United States and COVID's here, okay? So we are making a documentary. It has been funded. It's in progress. It is going to be dynamite. It will actually be a full-length feature film through Netflix for parents, but it will contain the 45-minute documentary so that we can share with your kids where naked photos go when you hit send. Why is this so important? Because technology is changing at the speed of light. We are getting advanced technologies such as mass audience live streaming where your child will have a million likes and followers. They will be encrypted, so you won't be able to see what is happening. And by next year, your child will be able to do commerce, be able to do buy-sell transactions. Already, Snapchat has SnapCash, and there's over 100 sites on how to make money selling your po- naked photo on SnapCash so you can do amateur pornography. We are just getting started with all of these new technologies and the entire world being connected by internet. It is up to us to train your children and grandchildren on how to use technology with respect and responsibility, to do it in a way that honors God and honors themselves and others. And we can do that. I don't believe technology is bad, but I do believe we need a, a a message, a conversation with our kids about how to be a leader. It is my experience that if you show kids how to be a leader and teach them and motivate them to use technology appropriately and to acknowledge that while there are a lot of nice people out there, there are a lot of bad people and this is how you recognize them and this is how you stand against them. This is the generation that will live on the world wide web, and it is the greatest generation that's ever lived. It is up to us as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and school teachers and principals and, yes, school superintendents to teach our young people to use technology in a way that prepares them to be quality leaders. And to do that, we have to tell them what bad guys look like. It is not fair to put someone on the Internet without explaining pedophilia and where naked photos go and why they want them. And if it ever happens to you, you can come to me and I will not wag my finger at you and say, what the hell were you doing? I will put my arm around you and I will help you walk through it. That is the loneliest place on earth, and that is why kids commit suicide. My name is Opal Singleton. This is millionkids.org. I thank you for listening. Please download this, share it with everyone you know. We're at Voice America Variety Channel every Thursday morning, 7 a.m. California time. Be sure and share this with everyone you know. Put your arms around your family. Tell them you're proud of them. Be there for them, and I'll see you next Thursday at 7 a.m.